Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome back. We are finishing up, finally, finally, the finale to A Better Way Forward. Today, talking about being completely present with the people that we love. We're going to do this. We're going to work towards this to be this way in 2023. Never forget, um, 2017, I look over at Heather, New Year's Eve, and I'm just like, man, what are we going to be this year? What are we going to be? And for me, it was present. Okay. And so today, the, the description or kind of the, the general ideas is how do we communicate with intention so that we stay connected? How do we communicate with intention to stay connected? And so if you're here for the very first time, my name is Dusty. Get to be the lead pastor of a church in Fort Collins, Colorado called The Grove. But we do ministry all across the country, and I'm thankful that you're here. So thanks for taking part of your day to be with me. So hope you're ready to get better. Here's the reality. The reality is to be present with people means we have to be engaged with them. Otherwise, things stay on the surface and there's no depth to it. But, the re- but, but in that, in our engagement, sometimes in discussion we emphasize too much, right? And, and other times... We emphasize too much uh, because we're just really grateful to have somebody to listen to us, right? And, and sometimes we'll overemphasize stuff out of fear and, or, or, or we won't assert ourselves out of fear uh, because of the preference or the expectation or our point of view. And so we start to, to lose ourselves in the process of, of sharing, engaging, communicating with people because we get lost in, in all that, again, because we're just grateful to have a set of ears. And so remember how present Jesus became with us. Jesus had it really good, right? He's our example, right? He's our example to follow, but he's also our example of, of how we are to be when we are with other people. And so what you know about Jesus, the son of God, is he became fully man, yet he remained fully God. And at the same time that he was both of these people, he hung between two worlds, between heaven and earth. And life would have been much simpler if he stayed in heaven, right? Stay with dad. Dad's awesome. He could have worked remote, a lot of remote work these days. He could have just worked remote. And the world for Jesus was much like it is for us. It's not safe. Not safe at all. But by entering our world, what happened is he invited pain and sorrow and grief into his life which, by the way, is the opposite of the place he came from. And so when he came, he was misunderstood, and he was underappreciated. Anybody ever feel that, right? He died a lonely death, literally hanging between heaven and earth on a cross for us. And it was tragic, and it was brutal, and it was heartbreaking all at the same time. Jesus, our example, became incarnate, which means he existed in bodily form. He was fully man, yet fully God. He existed in bodily form. So then we can be incarnational to others, which means to embody, to personify, or to represent Jesus. That's what in being incarnational means. And so the fruit of real relationship with God and with people is our ability to be fully present with them. It shows great spiritual maturity when you actually be fully present with somebody and not get offended and not go too far, and not lose yourself. To be fully present shows great spiritual maturity. It means being completely engaged, which takes all of you. It takes all of you. 
It means listening wholeheartedly, not hearing half-heartedly, half-minding somebody. I have a buddy who says, man, stop half-minding me. Hey, right over here. We're talking. And so it's the same thing we tell our kids. There's a reason that God gave you two eyes and two ears for a, li- for a reason. One mouth. We are to listen twice as much as we talk, right? And so it means listening to understand instead of listening to respond, which means when I'm listening, there are no thoughts going in my head of, of how I'm going to re- react to this. I'm not rallying my mind to, to respond. I'm actually intentionally listening to understand your, your point of view. And so to be completely present with people, we love. And one of the biggest signs of love is to actually listen, to listen. And so big question for you today. When is the last time that you felt listened to? When's the last time that you actually felt like you had a great conversation and somebody listened to what you were saying? When's that time? What, what happened? What did the other person do to make you feel heard? How much do you love that person? There's depth to that relationship, if I was betting. Before we go on, by the way, there was, there was a time where um, I was a terrible listener, and I didn't realize that Heather would just play the quiet game with me because I wouldn't engage in a conversation with her. Because I'm a soundbite guy as opposed to, if you get me in, in a chair with low lights and, and, and low volume, my resting heart rate kicks in, and, and dad goes to sleep, okay? Can't help it. And so I had to fix this myself. And so before we go on, let's take a little mini quiz. Keep your answers written down. I don't care. You're just going to write yes or no, okay? Just yes or no. You don't have to write these down. They'll be on the screen. You just write Y or N, okay? And I want you to keep track of these because I'm going to give you a kind of a tally at the end. So here we go. Here's what I want to know about your listening skills. Your close friends would describe you as a great listener, yes or no? When people are upset with me, I'm able to listen without becoming defensive. Yes or no? I intentionally listen to the words, feelings, and body language of other people. I'm engaged. Yes or no? I have little interest in giving my opinions. Yes or no? I am able to validate others' feelings with empathy. Yes or no? I am conscious of my defense mechanisms in stressful situations. Are you? Yes or no? I'm aware of how the family I was raised in shaped my listening style, the way I listen. Yes or no? I ask questions to fill in the blanks instead of assuming the answers. Whoopies. Yes or no? I do not interrupt conversations to get my point across. Yes or no? I give my undivided attention when people are talking to me. Yes or no? Now, here's what you need to know. You can write this down if you want. Tally them up. How many whys do you have? Just, just the whys. You don't, have, you don't need the knows. Just how many whys do you have? If you have eight to ten whys, you are a very good listener. If you have six to seven whys, you're a good listener. You're not very good. You're just good, okay? If you have four to five whys, you're the average person roaming the earth. You half mind people. You're, you're half engaged, right? And if you have three or few, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, probably not for the first time in your life, you're not a good listener. <laughs> so, the great challenge in incarnation 
in embodying Jesus is to hold on to ourselves when we enter another person's world. When you keep your God-given self in the process of the conversation, in the process of the disagreement, or just general conversation, when you keep yourself, your God-given self, you're being like Jesus. And the other party gets to experience him in you and through you because of your ability to show gentleness, patience, kindness, peace, self-control. Those are all called fruits of the Spirit. That's evidence of God inside of you. Incarnation is such a great word because it's proof that your old self is gone, that you have been renewed, and your spirit is being regenerated through your entire being. That's what this whole series has been on. We are wrapping it up today, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Being incarnate means that you are embodying Jesus and it's coming from your heart. Your spirit is working through your soul, and it's actually being seen through your physical presence. It's amazing. So the greatest fruit, fruit then, of being spiritually mature is the act of being present with others. It's the act of being present incarnately or incarnationally, right? And so here's what John reminds us in John 13, 3. John's one of the apostles. He reminds us that prior to Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, what he says is, is that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going to return to God. That he was really, really walking out what it meant to be both all the time. And Jesus knew that he stepped into our world and that he was to remain himself through the entire process. And the same is true for us as we interact with each other, one another, in conversation, in conflict. Jesus demonstrated his love for us by setting aside all the glory and all of his power and who he is so that he could fully enter our world. He came and became present with us. So what happened is he set aside the rights and the privileges. This is the greatest act of love because he did all of that to come and invite us to follow him. And a lot of things that we think about when we think about following Jesus, we think about following the example that he set, which we believe is a checklist. Do this, don't do that. Do that, do more of that, do less of that. You can do that, you can't do that. And that's, that's great if you see it like that, but there's more depth to it. It's not just a checklist or a set of rules, right? And so at any time that we leave our comfort zone to meet with people, that's what Jesus did. The greatest example he did was when he met with all kinds of different people throughout the Bible and he left his comfort zone. First of all, he left his comfort zone when he left the throne and he came down to be with us, right? And so anytime, so for us, then what that, how we, that symbolizes that with us is this. Anytime we leave our comfort zone, in order to meet people where they are, we're being incarnate. We are actually embodying Jesus. We're leaving our world, our comforts, everything that we like to step into somebody else's. And to enlist in our incarnationally is to enter another person's world at a heart level. It's your spirit. Your spirit's being engaged. This is what creates that connection. And you're coming with the empathy of Jesus. And this is how we demonstrate our love for them and how they can experience God's love for them as well. So then how do we do it? We listen to what they say and we feel what they feel. And when we listen to what they say and we feel what they feel because we're completely engaged, by God's grace, they get to experience Him through us. Through us. We get to be a living example, a walking miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the gospels are filled. The gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the New Testament, they're filled with all kinds of accounts of Jesus' interactions with people. 
In Mark 10, 21, even the rich young ruler came up to him. And Jesus looked at him, and Jesus loved him. Jesus listened. Jesus was present. He was never distracted. He never was half-minded. He was never in a rush. Jesus took time to engage and explore everyone's story, from the woman at the well to walking with Peter and every person in between. And so for us, how, how we can say, well, I, I, I love people. How we say that is this. It's easy to love people far away, right? Easy to love people from a distance, right? It's not always easy to love those close to us. Why? Feelings are involved. Here's another example. It's really easy for me to give to the Red Cross or to serve 6.8, who's locally here, right? To help relieve hunger or to bring presents, right? Or to, or, or to, to bring some type of life. And people, man, love to get to a what? They love to give to a what? It's hard. It's hard to relieve the loneliness in your home. You can give to relieve hunger, but to give to relieve loneliness, especially when it's close to you, that's hard to get to because it takes more of us than us going, here you go, or here you go, right? And so at our house, we bring love first. You know who we are. And so it is family first. It's, man, we're going to keep this thing tight. We're going to keep our kids together. And, and loving our house is where it should begin, right? Always. This is where our love for one another must start. It must start under our roof. Because if I can't love the people under my roof, I'm not going to love my neighbor next door or the guy at the office or the guy at the paint store or the guy at the who cares. We're just not. It starts with loving those who are under our roof. And so I can give you a list of the greatest diseases in the world today, but none of them compare to the feeling of being unwanted, unloved, or uncared for. Here's the crazy thing. We have cures for physical diseases and medicine can do amazing thing, right? Medicine does amazing things. But the only cure for loneliness and despair and hopelessness is love. It's love. And when you start to see people slipping and disengaging, falling away, not being who you know they are, that's the time to lean in with love, not questions, right? There are millions in the world who are dying for a piece of bread. But there are millions more dying for a little love. They just need a little love. This is why the gospel message is so important. At the end of the day, it's important because at the end of the day, we're not going to be judged on what we accomplished, what we knew, how many degrees we had, how many state championships we won, how many, you know, X, Ys, and Zs. We're not going to be judged on any of that. We're going to be judged about on the people that we invest in. That's why Matthew 6, 21 is so important. Where your treasures, that's where your heart is, your spirit. You're going to be judged on, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. You're going to be judged on, I was naked and you clothed me. This is Mother Teresa stuff. You're going to be judged on, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. You're going to be judged on, I was homeless and you took me in. When people came to Jesus, regardless of who they were, where they were, what they were, how much money they made, how much money they didn't make, or what they had, he was the exact same. How did he operate? He always reached toward them with an open hand and a willing heart. And what would he say? I am. I am. I am willing. If you're willing, Lord, I am. 
I am. What's that mean? Boom. Everything else shuts down. Cell phone goes off. I am. I am. Right? Matthew 10, 24. If we're going to follow this example of who Jesus was with engagement and people and in relationship, Matthew 10, 24 is beautiful. That's what it says. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his Lord. So then when we embody Jesus in the, in the way that we engage one another, we're choosing to represent him to be incarnate, right? Which means just like he hung between heaven and earth, we are hanging between our world and the world of another person. We're in between. And while we're in that phase, we're going to remain faithful to who we are while at the same time meeting them where they are. Here's a second question. When's the last time that you left your world to enter someone else's? When's the last time you left your world to enter someone else's? God entered our planet and forever changed it. He knew there was no better way to show his love to the entire human race than to enter our lives and to walk in our shoes. And so he did. So he did. That's empathy, right? And John 1, 1 through 5 and verse 14 tells us exactly who Jesus is. And if you're like, well, I thought that Jesus didn't come till, you know, the New Testament. Here's what it says in John. In the beginning was the word. And I want you to replace the word with Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Who's he? Jesus is the Word. What we read in the New Testament is Jesus. Jesus is the Word. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him, all things were made. So the Word made all things? No, Jesus. Through Jesus, all things were made. And without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, resurrection life. And that life was the light of all mankind, light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14 is huge. The Word became flesh. There's only one person I know that came from there to here to become flesh, Jesus, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus has been here since the beginning. The big three, the original big three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were the creation. They were at the beginning. And so it's easy to say that Jesus has been and is the most engaged and best listener that there ever was. Now, before we keep going, I want to say listening's not easy. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. And depending on how you were raised, it, it can become an even harder principle to learn. It's not easy. Proverbs 17, 27 says this. He who has knowledge restrains and is careful with his words. And a man of understanding and wisdom has a cool spirit, self-control, and an even temper. Man, don't you wish everybody was like that when they were listening to you? Don't you wish you could be like that when you were listening to others? Here's the thing about listening. It's so closely linked to loving that the two are almost identical. 
So much so that listening remains one of the most significant ways that we can practically demonstrate our love for one another. This is one of the practical ways that we can actually engage, demonstrate our love for each other, is to give our ears and our eyes and focus and our attention to the person that we're talking to, right? James 1.19 says, Let everyone be quick to listen. Be careful, thoughtful, and intentional to listen. Let them be slow to speak. Be a speaker of carefully chosen words. And slow to anger. Be patient, reflective, empathetic, and forgiving. Man, this amplified version of James 1.19 is amazing. When you listen like this, you love automatically. Hard not to be loving when you listen like that. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to anger. Right? You love automatically. It takes love to listen on that level. Otherwise, it's surfacy. Yeah, I heard you. Sorry about that, man. Tough, tough break. Right? And we keep going. So then how do we listen incarnationally? Here it is. To listen at a heart level, with empathy, in tune with the words, and the nonverbal communication of another person, we're going to let the other person feel felt. We're going to let the other person feel felt. You know a person has listened to you intentionally when they become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, you know they're speaking to you. Oh yeah, man, I heard that. That's crazy. That's crazy. What'd you say your mom did? No, you, you kidding me? No way. No way. I'd be okay with that. Anyways, so what are you doing later? Not present. Not speaking. None of those. You know a person is listening intentionally when they become present. When they speak, they speak to you. When they listen, they listen to you. Their presence, their presence, their engagement, their presence brings healing because they accept you on your terms. And they encourage you to take action for you. What do I mean? They accept you on your terms. I wouldn't, it's not a, oh, I would, I could never do that. Or I would never, man, tell me more about that. What, what made you, what helped, what, how did you make that decision? Man, that must've been tough. How can I help you? What can I do? That's yours. I'm going to meet you where you are and I'm going to walk with you where you are and I'm going to speak to you where you are and I'm going to listen to you where you are. I'm not going to offer my advice or my solution. One of the biggest things is, is, is people believe that leaders can lead them out of places they've never been. Can't pretend to do that. But I can step in your shoes and walk with you and walk with you. They encourage you to take action for yourself. Well, here's what I would do. No, no, that's not it. That's not it. We have parents and teachers for that, right? So when listening, how are we to speak? A couple things for you here. When listening, how are we to speak? Because as believers, we speak differently when we embody Jesus, right? And we speak and we respond first. Obviously, the Bible says love covers everything. So love should be present. So I don't want to overlook love here. But here's how we go. Honor. We speak and respond first with honor. What's that mean? Respect everyone. Don't pretend to know because you don't. Honor. Respect everyone. We speak and respond clearly. Clearly. Understandable and non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. We speak and respond honestly. Honestly. The truth always brings freedom. Freedom. We speak and respond in a timely. Timely is the fourth one. A timely manner. Sooner than later. 
Consider the other person's circumstances, what they've been through, what they're going through, what they're going to go through, what's going to happen, what did happen. Consider and respond in a timely manner, not half-hearted, right? And the last one is hospitable. Welcome and love on their terms. Now, what's unique about that is those are our three values, honor, honesty, and hospitality. Respect everyone. The truth always brings freedom and welcome and love people on their terms, right? And then obviously you're going to do that clearly and timely, okay? So then when listening, when listening, how are we to react and respond? It's, it's amazing. Respect. Respect. Respect each other's individuality, right? Allow the, allow the other person to have their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own emotions, and their own values. They might value something totally different. They might be all riled up about something you think is not a big deal. You can't say that's not a big deal. Why don't you go ahead and meet them where they are? Let's respect that. The second thing is to be completely present. Two eyes, two ears, one mouth. Let's be completely present. Use your ears and your eyes to listen and see the words, the tone, the emotion, the posture, the intensity, and the expressions. When you're completely, wholeheartedly present, the person will feel felt by you, the listener, and they will feel connected emotionally. They won't feel like they're just sharing information with someone. You'll connect at a heart level. By the way, in our culture, we, also, we often say this, I feel that, I feel that, I feel you. That was a thing back in the 90s. I feel you, dog. And you know, I can't believe I just said that, right? I feel you. We normally say, I feel you or I feel that to express a thought or an opinion. And it's important to know that when you say the word feel, it should be followed with a feeling. And if it's not followed with a feeling, then it's not a feeling. It's simply a thought or an opinion. Example, I feel that King Super's prices are too high. What I'm really saying is, I think these prices are too high. I think King Super's prices are too high. I don't feel that. I think that, right? It's a thought, not a feeling. If it were a feeling, I would say, man, I really like King Super's. It's close. It's convenient. But it makes me feel sad. I feel sad. It makes me feel sad that we can't afford to shop there, right? So big difference. To use the phrase, I feel correctly, needs to be followed by a feeling, sad, angry, happy, lonely, bitter, etc. right? Because, because why? We cannot communicate clearly with each other if we do not know what our feelings are. Well, I feel he, no, you don't. You think he, you don't feel he did that. You think he did that, right? And so to be able to communicate clearly, we have to be able to share our real feelings and we have to differentiate between our thought and what we feel. So then we need to make sure that our thoughts, our, emotion, our emotions, our feelings, our opinions, all stay in their lanes, in their own, their own place. Can't be crossing up. And then we need to follow Jesus' model for listening. And here's kind of, this would be a, an action step 1A, right? Your Jesus' model for listening is this. Jesus left his world. We listen when we leave our world, when we let go of our opinions, our ideas, and we meet the person where they are. So Jesus left his world. He entered our world. 
We enter another person's world through listening. He stayed true to himself. This is huge. Listening doesn't always mean agreeing. There are several people that Jesus met with in a one-on-one basis in group settings that he disagreed with. He still listened. He still had an open hand, and he still said, I am. He still said it, right? So then staying true to yourself, listening does not mean that you have to agree. It means you are listening, and you're holding true to your values regardless of what you think theirs are, right? He hung between two worlds, heaven and earth, and you may not like what you hear, but you, if Jesus can hang between heaven and earth, you can hang between your idea and your way and your values and theirs. You can hang between those two tensions of different perspectives, right? Here's the thing. Listening, when I am incarnately listening, when I am listening intentionally, it never results in arguing, getting defensive, or being offended. If I'm listening like Jesus, it doesn't result in that. So here's a great question I come across in my my prep for the finale of this message. Who can take away suffering without entering into it? Who? A good sign for that, here. Who is not wearing the ribbon? Okay? Who? Who can take away suffering without entering into it? No one. No one can help anybody without being involved, without taking the risk of being hurt in the process. To provide real help means you're going to risk and be willing to laugh with those who laugh and to cry with those who cry. It also means you're going to be willing to take your own painful and joyful experiences and you're going to make those public for people to know so you can have a me too moment. So you can step in their shoes and walk with them, right? You can't save someone from a burning house without taking the risk of being burnt by flames. Can't. Who can listen to a story of loneliness and hurt without taking the risk of experiencing the same pains, the same, and the same heartache, and losing peace of mind? Can't. Who can take away suffering without entering into it? Who? Even Jesus had to come here to experience this so he could walk and endure with us to overcome. He set the example. He set the example. And the great illusion of leadership and what frustrates me most is when people come along to offer advice or to help out and they've never been to the place you are. Jesus taught and walked out Mark 8.35 for us. Forever who wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the gospels will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. When one person chooses to give up themselves to walk in another person's shoes, two people get better. Two people get better. This is what he's saying. When we walk alone and we keep it surfacy, we die alone. Whoever gives his life for the sake of the gospel will get it back a hundredfold. So those who choose to walk in the way that Jesus walked and to engage incarnationally, right? As examples of Jesus are those who reap the benefit One thing before we close, there is a big difference between believers who are embodying who Jesus is and church people. Please don't get the two confused. Church people know the lingo. They can speak in King James. They're real good at pretending. A lot of good good church folk out there. Just because they go to church 
Doesn't mean they're walking with God. Please be able to distinguish between the two and be a believer. Now, I'll close with this. When listening, it's easy, it's easy when you're listening to somebody to have the great temptation to rush in and be the Savior, to rush the process, to manipulate the outcome, to say, hey, yeah, yeah, just do this. Just do this. I know, I know this guy, and he did that, so you should do that. You can't. The best thing that we can do is to remember, God did not put us here to push people along. It's not our responsibility. God will nudge his kids where they need to be, right? The timing is up to him and them, not us. Our responsibility is to love and listen so we can honor God, who he is, and what he's going to do or what he will do in the life of the person that we are listening to. Here's a final question for you. What is your greatest obstacle when it comes to being a great listener, to being engaged, to listening like Jesus? What is your greatest obstacle or challenge that keeps you from being fully present or fully engaged with others? What is that obstacle? Knowing that you need a depth in your listening, not a greater ability to think. We shouldn't be thinking while we're listening. We should be listening, focused, engaged. Here's your action step. I'm going to help you. That question, the answer is this. As the listener, as a listener, I want you to give your full attention. We're going to give full attention. We're going to step into their shoes. We're going to avoid judging and assuming. We're going to reflect with them and repeat what they said accurately. We're going to jump into their world. We're going to ask for more information. When we think they're done, we're going to ask for more. Hey, could you help me? Could you help me understand this? Ask for more. When they're done, we're going to ask them what the most important part of where they're going, what they're doing, how they're going is. What's the most important part that you want me to hang on to? Of everything that we said, of this, repeat it back to them and be accurate. Reflect with them. Hey, the most important part of what we said, I heard three really big things, man. What's the next? What's the one thing that we, that we need to agree on, that we need to figure out, that we need to walk in together, that I can pray about? We need to find out the one thing, right? Now, that's as the listener, as the speaker. Always speak in I. Own your words, not you. Well, you just need to, no, 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 no. Eliminate the you, okay? Always speak in the I. Two, be brief. Be brief. Let them be it. You are the listener. So when it's your turn to speak, I'm going to be brief, right? The third, third thing. Stop and let the listener paraphrase. You might want to jump right in. Stop and let the listener paraphrase. Okay, so, uh, so what you said, let me get this straight. You said, um, you said this and this and this. Is that accurate? Is that, yeah, that's good, okay. Oh no, I missed it? Okay, uh, help me connect these two dots. Stop and let the listener paraphrase, right? Include your feelings, include your feelings too. Me too, me too, right? Here we go. Be honest, honoring, hospitable. That's us. Clear and timely. And fifth one, help distinguish, maybe six, sorry. Yeah, sixth. Help distinguish thoughts from feelings. 
Help distinguish thoughts from feelings. Well, I feel. No, you really think that. Okay? Help distinguish. Help. Don't tell them. No. We're going to engage, right? All these principles, by the way, apply to your relationship with God, both as the speaker and through prayer, well, as a speaker through prayer and as the listener through silence and reading the word, right? Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. Let God's word, what God wants you to know and what he knows, wants his people to know is it's still true. God's still the God of yesterday and tomorrow. And so God wants his word and his people in the world. There's a reason for both to exist right now. And the best thing that we can be is attentive listeners to God, to his spirit, to what he's saying. Because we live in the most distracted era that has ever existed, right? Attentiveness right now is at an all-time low, and it's one of the most difficult concepts to grasp, and one of the hardest disciplines to learn is to have an attention span, right? This is why God, through Scripture, continually asks us to look, to seek, and to listen. He didn't ask us to speak. Look, seek, listen. Look, seek, listen. He knows one of the greatest enemies to your spiritual development and your spiritual life and your spiritual maturity and your relationship with him is distraction, is distraction. So then being attentive to God and those around us lead us to greater spiritual maturity and greater purpose on the face of this earth. Why? Because the purpose of the Christian life, living your life as a believer and a follower of Jesus, the, the greatest purpose of the Christian life is not about doing more things for God or fixing other people or making the world a better place. It's simply to love people the way that God loves you. The end. Give everyone that we encounter a taste of heaven on earth. If we give everyone we encounter a taste of heaven on earth, we'd see a lot different world. How's that happen? Listening. Be present just like Jesus was. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share, Lord, for this series, for what it has been. Thank you, Lord, for helping people take steps forward in their relationship with you, for helping them to fix their heart and their soul, their minds, their bodies, Lord, that they would step into 2023 on purpose, refreshed, ready, Lord, to engage. Over the last five weeks that we've talked about relationships, Lord, I ask that you would help them to be pointed in their next steps, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the goodness and the graciousness and your faithfulness and your mercy, your life that you led, you lived, that you showed for us to be the example of you in the place that we call home, wherever that is. Thank you, Lord, for meaningful interactions as we go out this week, as we gather our families this week, as we step into Christmas next week. I'm grateful. Lord, for you being present in people's lives. Lord, thank you for crossing paths, connecting people, and helping them to be more intentional as they engage with you and others. I love you, and I thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your will that it will be done. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad you were here. If this message spoke to you, please send it or share it with somebody else. They need to know it. If, if you go, man, maybe I just need to text or call this person, tell them, I'm sorry I've been a, been a bad listener. Do that too, whatever it takes. But man, I want you to be engaged and I want you to walk closer with the people you love in 2023. It's going to take better listening skills from everybody that's involved, not just you. And so if, you, if you're willing to do that, that's amazing. If you're giving... 
Today, thank you. Your partnership financially means everything. We're at one of the hardest times in the church world as far as what it means to build a budget and continue to reach people, to reach the lost. We've been doing some amazing stuff here. We've seen 87 people, 88 people uh, pray to receive Jesus. We've helped almost 200 people. We think by the end of the year, we'll help 200 people uh, read a Bible. We've given them a Bible. They will start reading, which is amazing. We've seen 37 people uh, water baptized and so much more. And so if you're giving with us financially, you're partnering with us financially, and we need your help. And so please pray about your part and what you can do. Christmas Eve services are going to be Saturday, Saturday, Christmas Eve, December 24th at 10 a.m. Catch those. And then I'll also stream a message uh, on Christmas Day at 10 a.m. as well. And so the story of Christmas next week, 178 seats in this building. Make sure you bring, invite, get here in person. Let's share Christmas together. Now, let me pray a blessing over you. I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind will be enlightened so that you will know what His hope, His calling, and His purpose are for you and the great things that He has in store for you. Super thankful for you. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week for Christmas. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.